You're listening to the One Peter Five podcast. It is a real joy for us to welcome you all here. Habemus Papan. Rebuilding Catholic culture, restoring Catholic tradition. Hello and welcome to the One Peter Five podcast, episode number 77. I'm Steve Skojak, and I haven't seen you since November. December was a crazy month. I'm sure it was for you guys too. It was um, the month that I learned about this drink, which is called the Backdoor Santa. I did not make up the name, so don't give me a hard time. Um, it's a good drink. It's bourbon, Campari, uh, lemon juice, although I ran out of lemon. I put some lime in here. Um, that's pretty good. And a rosemary brown sugar syrup that you have to make yourself. If you're interested, maybe I'll post the recipe uh, in the show notes. Um, it's a good drink. I also throw a little bit of Agnostura bitters in there. I like that taste. Uh, let's see. I'm going to make sure this camera is adjusted correctly. So, yeah, it's been a little bit. And um, I haven't had a lot that I've wanted to say lately following the election. I don't know about you. Um, the world has been a strange place since November. And... Um, it's only gotten stranger. And today I want to talk about the things that happened in Washington yesterday. This is not a political show. It's not a political website. But this is the venue that I have. And so I'm going to use it. But I am very seriously considering starting something else that I can more freely express these kinds of thoughts going forward since we mostly do church stuff here. Let me first say, I want to thank everybody who donated in uh, December and actually all throughout last year. Last year was a difficult year for everybody financially. Um, you guys came through in December. We actually hit our goal. We went over, which is a huge deal because the early months of any year are always um, pretty low for us fundraising-wise, and it makes it really tough to pay the bills. So we appreciate that. I have pieces of my set falling apart. Excuse me. Uh, if you did not have an opportunity to donate and you would like to support our work, we do need your help. We would love to have that assistance from you. You can do it at onepeter5.com forward slash donate. Um, that would be fantastic. But just a huge thank you, huge shout out to everybody who did that for us last year, and especially in the month of December. Uh, December. Thank you so much. Also, I wanted to do a request for prayers. Um, there is a priest who passed away. His name is Father John Kolovich. I worked for him when I was uh, a kid uh, in college. He was instrumental in getting me out of the Legionaries of Christ. Um, he was the priest who brought my wife into the church. Um, he was a priest who did some, some pretty amazing things in my younger life, and we'd been out of touch for about 20 years or so. Uh, just every once in a while, you know, we'd shoot an email to one another. Uh, and I found out last month, right before Christmas, that he'd passed away. So... Um, if you would be so kind as to pray for the repose of the soul of Father John Kolovich, I would like to at least begin to return the many favors that he did for me and for my family and the people that I love uh, by getting as many people as possible praying for him. I also have to apologize to you. If you hear me breathing a little bit more than usual, I, I don't know if it's allergies or what. It's Arizona, so it's weird. You know, It doesn't get super cold. It's always dusty. But I have been having like um, almost like a little bit like asthma. Uh, I think it's allergy-induced, so... I'm here breathing like Darth Vader. <sighs> yeah, just pay no attention to that. I'm fine. I don't think it's the COVID. 
Anyway, so uh, those things uh, out of the way, um, let's talk a little bit about the current state of affairs. It's delicious. Let me pull up my notes here. So, um, the election's over. Uh, I don't know if everybody has accepted that yet. Trump is being banned from all of his social media accounts. That's something I want to talk about a little bit later on. Um, but uh, his communications uh, director, uh, is it Dan Scavin, I think is his name? What is his name? I'm going to pull it up right now. Scavino, that's what it is. Dan Scavino tweeted out a statement uh, from President Trump on the electoral certification. This is what it said. Even though I totally disagree with the outcome of the election and the facts bear me out, nevertheless, there will be an orderly transition on January 20th. I've always said that we would continue our fight to ensure that only legal votes were counted. While this represents the end of the greatest first term in American presidential history, it's only the beginning of our fight to make America great again. So uh, that statement through Dan Scavino, who is uh, White House... Um, communications, uh, deputy chief of staff for communications. So there are people who are already disputing this because it didn't come from Trump himself, but all the social media giants have decided that he does not deserve a hearing on social media anymore. So we'll talk about that a little bit down the line here. Um, but the election's over and all the big promises that we were going to be delivered, uh, from a Biden presidency have proven false. Those promises are just, they're not a thing. And uh, I'm, I'm actually really frustrated about it because I think it was about a month ago that I finally said, you know what, this isn't happening anymore. And people are getting really weird about all this stuff. I was seeing more and more sort of quasi messianic um, approaches to this election and the Trump presidency and the idea of him being some figure out of prophecy, uh, even Archbishop Vigano's stuff kind of veered in that direction somewhat. Um, and it was why I published the article from John Jalzevec uh, a couple weeks ago about how Trumpianity is a weird religion. Now it wasn't meant to be an insult to, to Trump voters of which I am a two time Trump voter. Uh, it wasn't meant to be an insult to Trump supporters. It was meant to to curtail an overzealous um, look at American electoral politics as though they are salvific somehow. Uh, American exceptionalism is, is kind of a dangerous philosophy. Uh, America is an exceptional country, but to look at it as sort of the savior of the world, uh, which is a thing that Protestants, I think, do a lot more than anybody else, but it, you know... Lately, these days, sometimes it's hard to distinguish Protestants from Catholics. And I don't, we were getting really heavy into that stuff. So I published that article, and a lot of people were very angry. Um, you know, John Josevec is no liberal. I mean, the guy is, uh, you know, part of the founding family of LifeSite News. He wrote for them for many years. Um, but, but there's this point where you say, enough's enough. And some of it was getting out of control. Well, it's continued. And some of the figures that John pointed out um, during his article, notably Lynn Wood, who was the attorney who uh, represented um, 
Nick Sandman, the Covington kid, you know, who got the big media settlement after the March for Life uh, back in 2019. Um, that guy is a disaster, and he's been leading one of the leading voices in the whole Stop the Steal movement. The idea, you know, that that all these rallies to try to prove that the election was stolen by a fraud and all this stuff, and, and they didn't do it. So, you know. I'm a little jumbled right now. So let me get focused in. The election's over. Trump now says that he's going to allow peaceful transition. That's not what happened yesterday. Um, and so how did we get here? How do we get to the point where we have pro-Trump people who are called to action by the president himself during a rally saying, go march down Pennsylvania Alley, uh, Avenue to the Capitol where P Vice President Trump is certifying the election, uh, telling them to go fight like hell, they break in. Uh, at the end of the day, four people died yesterday. Um, 60 Capitol Police officers were injured, one of whom was injured critically. Some were um, hit with lead pipes and things like that. A very dangerous situation, a situation that looked for all intents and purposes like an act of insurrection. Um, and it's leading to really big consequences, tumultuous things that are happening today where where members of Congress are looking to impeach the president immediately and or have Vice President uh, Pence invoke the 25th Amendment and take over the presidency uh, for the remainder of the term because Trump has proven himself incompetent. Um, this this is being discussed on the floor of the of the Congress right now uh, as I record this. So how do we get here? How do we get to the point where this is what's happening? Well, months of being told that the election was stolen, that it was illegal, that they were going to prove it, that Trump won in a landslide, which he clearly did not win in a landslide because a landslide would have overcome the margin of fraud, but set that aside, being told all these things for so long, having the people who were put in charge of this movement to, to prove that the election was stolen uh, having them promise us the world. Remember, they promised this Kraken. Sidney Powell said that she was going to unleash the Kraken. Kraken never came. There wasn't even a cute little baby octopus. It wasn't even like sushi-grade octopus that showed up. There was nothing. Nothing happened. And then you have Lynn Wood, who is a disaster. The entire Stop the Steal movement gave people false hope. False hope in a moment where they were desperate for hope. And then suddenly it all came crashing down. And what do you think is going to happen in a situation like that? People are out of work. They're upset. They feel cheated out of the election. Uh, they think the rule of law is gone. They don't trust the government. They know the people who hate them and their values are now in control. So when the president tells them, fight like hell, go march down to the Capitol, what are the odds, you think, that all this energy and angst are not going to spill over? We're at a moment where people think there's no turning back. The country has been effectively lost, and I agree with them. We're not going to win any more elections. That's, that's pretty much a guarantee. This one was unexpected. So people feel that they have nothing left to lose. And it's not surprising then that the actions that they took were indicative of that. Now, granted, obviously, there were many tens of thousands of people down there at the Capitol yesterday who did not agree with or participate in 
the storming of the U.S. Capitol building. But there were plenty who did. And as Eric Sammons said to me yesterday, half of his Twitter timeline was either people who denied that Trump supporters would ever do something like that, or the other half were all the people who were cheering them on and justifying it and saying that it, it, it's something that is absolutely legitimate based on the circumstances. So we're deep, deep into this realm of cognitive dissonance, and it's coming from a moment of desperation. Trump is, I think it is absolutely fair to say, a narcissist. Everything that ever happens is not his fault, according to his view. He hires all these people, he sings their praises, he talks about how smart he was to pick them and how great the work is that they're doing, and then the minute that they don't do what he wants, he turns on them, they're stupid, they're traitors, they're cowards. It's disgusting, honestly. And it's one of the things I kept forcing myself to overlook during the past four years. And I was aware of the fact in the back of my mind that I was overlooking it because I thought, you know, maybe these are really bad actors. Maybe that he was picking people who were recommended to him and they turned out to be part of the swamp. Maybe that actually was the case sometimes. Some of these people, some of these figures may very well have been. I mean, John Bolton, what, what was he thinking? But I have never seen an administration with so much turmoil and turnover. It was absolutely a merry-go-round of people coming in and going out and, and people in very important high-level positions. Yesterday, he did it to Mike Pence. Pence wrote a very sober, thoughtful thing about why he felt he had no constitutional authority to unilaterally decide which electoral votes to count. It's a pretty good piece. I'm not going to read it here. I will link to it. Um, but Pence essentially made the case that his study of the Constitution indicates to him he has a primarily ceremonial role, and that it's up to the Congress to decide whether the claims about election fraud uh, are legitimate and that in his role as president of the Senate, he was going to make sure that those cases could be heard, but that he didn't feel that he had the power on his own initiative to simply accept or reject electoral votes. So he tells this to Trump and Trump goes to give a rally and Trump is very angry, very upset about the fact that Mike Pence won't do the thing that he wants to do. And so Trump turned on him. This is what Trump actually said yesterday at the rally about his own vice president. Quote, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our constitution, giving states a chance to certify a corrected set of facts, not the fraudulent or inaccurate ones which they were asked to previously certify. USA demands the truth. I apologize. That is uh, something he said in a tweet. He did not say that at his rally. He said something along the same lines at the rally, but basically called Mike Pence a coward. Um, when he told the people to go down and march to the Capitol where Pence was certifying the election, whether he meant to do it or not, he armed them with the anger and the will to put his own vice president in danger. Pence had to be evacuated to a secure location. I'm not at all convinced that what happened yesterday would have happened if Trump had just for once in his life shut his mouth. Now, again, we knew he had a huge ego. We knew he was a narcissist, but he was our narcissist. The problem is that the Trump we've seen since the election has been the Trump of the first 2020 presidential debate. You remember him. He was loud, obnoxious, classless, a braggart, unable to have even an ounce of class. 
at a moment where it would have helped him prevail. The constant interruptions made him look like a bully. Almost across the board, people who like and support Trump felt that it was a very bad look for him and that it cost him a lot. He can't seem to get out of the way of his own ego long enough to give himself a chance to win. That's one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen. And it's the other thing I had to overlook the most during his pregnancy. Pregnancy. Presidency. I guess it is a very pregnant presidency. Pregnant with consequences. But uh, I digress. I, the thing is, I couldn't stand him sometimes. The utter lack of even the tiniest hint of humility. The constant hyperbolic exaggeration of his own perceived qualities and accomplishments. But you know, he was still our guy. And even though he was obnoxious, he drove the left crazier with it than he drove us crazy. And I found that pretty damn amusing. But what happened yesterday wasn't amusing. I watched the video of Ashley Babbitt as she got shot. I watched her bleed out. She should never have been in the Capitol building. She should not have attempted to breach the barrier erected by law enforcement there. And there was a barrier. Listen, there are a lot of narratives and counter narratives and videos being stitched into narratives that are circulating around. And I want to talk about that too. But the fact remains is that they were evacuating the vice president and members of Congress from that building because the building perimeter had been breached. There were double doors that had been barricaded with chairs and other things. And there was what looked to be a secret service agent training a service weapon on the broken window next to one of those doors where Ashley Babbitt was trying to get through. She was the first one ready to jump over the crowd through the hole. He had his weapon trained. Now everybody's yelling. You can't understand what's being said, what warnings are being given, but the weapon was clearly trained and his finger was on the trigger. And when she breached, he waited. But the minute she breached that barrier, the minute her head and shoulders came through the window, he fired. She was an illegal intruder in our national legislature. She was no different in that sense at, at the head of a mob than if you were defending your own home and there was a mob outside and they were throwing rocks and they broke the window and someone started to come through the window into your house, you have a right to shoot. And I see people out there, conservatives, Catholics, saying that she was gunned down in cold blood. No, she wasn't. She was an intruder. And these men are tasked. They take an oath to protect the members of Congress, to protect the president and vice president of the United States. And they are not messing around. Yeah, I know. There were riots all last year. And uh, there were riots last night in Portland. And, and the police didn't take action and violence happened and they didn't shoot. And I, I understand all of that, but this is not the same ball game. When you begin to threaten the government of the United States, the elected officials of the United States, that is taken very seriously and they will take you down without hesitation. And as a 14 year air force veteran who had also taken an oath to defend the constitution, she knew that she knew these guys don't mess around. And so she was gunned down and she died. And for what, what did it accomplish? Nothing. And it angers me so much that the last thing that she tweeted out, because again, whether you like Twitter or not, it is the medium of exchange 
for most political communication that goes on right now. And the last thing that she tweeted out was nonsense propaganda from that piece of human excrement, Lynn Wood, one of the faces of the Stop the Steal movement, the attorney who apparently thinks that he might be the second coming of the Messiah. Yeah, he's uh, accused of saying that in a, in a lawsuit that's been for, uh, filed by his former three former partners at his law firm about his various and sundry kinds of abusive behavior that he said that, you know, they were dealing with the almighty and that he might be the second coming. That's Lynn Wood, who's up there on stage leading Stop the Steel rallies with his MAGA hat. And she's tweeting out his crap saying that Vice President Pence is a traitor and needs to face charges of treason. In fact, although it wasn't the one that I saw on her timeline before it was suspended, because her account was suspended today, Lynn Wood actually said that Pence needed to be executed by a firing squad for treason. Lynn Wood, whom I have not seen Trump denounce even once or distance himself from at all. Because the impression that one is left with when it all comes down to it is that this is all about Trump. Everything's about him. It's about his ego, his accomplishments, his public acclaim, his rallies, his election. He barely lifted a finger in Georgia where his buddy Linwood told conservatives on stage not to go out and vote. And now we've lost both the White House and the Congress. Guess what? We're going to get marched all over. They're going to stomp us into the ground because they have all the power now. Meanwhile, in Washington, four people are dead, 60 Capitol Police injured, one critically and over on the right, we're suffering from mass delusion. As Eric Salmon said to me yesterday, I mentioned this at the top of the show, half the people on his timeline were either denying that Trump supporters were even involved in raiding the Capitol, it was some kind of false flag, Antifa did it, somebody else did it, or they were saying it was justified and cheering them on. People are irresponsibly sharing memes, trying to say some of the people photographed inside the Capitol, most notably these guys with the beards and the Viking outfits and stuff, are Antifa. And they're trying to prove this using memes, memes that came again from Lynn Wood, that jackass who took a screenshot of some guys on the Antifa website, showed that it was Antifa, phillyantifa.org, shows the guys, but didn't bother to mention that the photo exists on the website as part of an article about how these guys are white supremacists. They are not Antifa. They're white supremacist Trump supporters two of them. One of them's a QAnon guy, the dude with the Viking hat. This has been proven. People are saying that the QAnon guy is with BLM or Antifa. No, he's known. He is from Arizona. He's from Tempe, Arizona, just down the road from me. He's been interviewed here by the Arizona Republic. He's been interviewed by Elijah Schaefer of the conservative news outlet, The Blaze. And here's what Schaefer had to say about him. People keep saying this guy is Antifa or BLM. He is not. Please stop spreading disinfo. I've spoken to him in depth on camera in Arizona. He's a huge supporter of QAnon and regularly, wa regularly walks around with a sign saying Q sent me. How does this stuff keep spreading? Stick to the facts. Shaver actually goes on in another set of tweets to say a lot of people are in denial that Trump supporters are capable of what played out today. It's a serious problem when people explain away inconvenient facts when it disagrees with their narrative. I get it. You don't like what happened, but people are spreading a lot of disinfo. 
Yes, I'm sure some opportunists, anarchists, bad faith actors, extremists, or yes, even Antifa could have been there, but thousands of people were trying to breach the Capitol, most of which were angry Trump supporters. Why do people choose not to believe their eyes? This is a guy who is a journalist for a very conservative publication. This isn't just propaganda from the left. It's not mainstream media. It's the truth. There was additional reporting from Andy No, a journalist who is an expert on Antifa. He also said the group in the Capitol wasn't them. Were there Antifa people in the mix? Probably. Hell, there may have been foreign intelligence operatives in the crowd. Think about it. What spy would pass up an opportunity to go in with a group of Trump supporters, steal intel, plant you know, observation devices, bugs, things like that? I mean... Why would they not do that? But we have to remember that the main body of infiltrators were Trump supporters, full stop. And we need to accept it. And this is what's so upsetting. The absolute suspension of disbelief, of reason, prudence, discernment, any of it. It's like, because we're so tired of what the left has done and is doing, we're going all in on just abandoning any semblance of reason or principle. I spend so much of my time online debunking easily researched lies propagated and shared by people on our side on the right from conservatives from catholics from traditionalist catholics and so unbelievably many conspiracy theories these are a phenomena that have escalated so much during the trump administration that it's almost impossible to believe it's coincidence i don't remember seeing all this stuff before but i see it all the time now it's like a lot of the people on our side just don't care anymore what's true. We only care to hear what we want to hear. Now, based on my interactions with people online the past couple of days and really over the past year, I know that I'm going to get a lot of angry comments. This could be the show that does you in. Maybe you're finished with me at this point. You will perhaps unfollow me. Stop reading. Stop watching. Stop donating. You'll unsubscribe. Saying the unpopular thing has never been in my best interest, but it's what I've always tried to do. I could pander to you. Lord knows that there are Catholics out there in this space who are doing exactly that. They figure out what you want to hear, what your fears are. They build a brand off your outrage and your concern, but I'd rather go out of business than lose my integrity. So I tell you what I believe is true, even if I think you'll hate my guts for it. I unwaveringly supported Trump for the past four years, and I'm on record doing it here. I am on record supporting him at 1 Peter 5, despite the fact that we are a nonprofit organization and that it could jeopardize our 501c3 status. But I believed it was important, and I said so. I was devastated by what happened on November 3rd, and I rooted for the president to prove to us that it was all a fraud. Not only did he not do that, but now I find I'm disgusted and ashamed by him. If somehow by some miracle all the fraud was proven and the election was handed to him on a silver platter this evening, I would have a very hard time ginning up any real enthusiasm for that prospect. Even if we could win right now against all odds, we'd still lose because Trump appears to be the man many of us deep down feared that he was, a man who puts self-interest above all else. 
only useful to us politically because his self-interest aligned with our national interest, but not because he shares our beliefs or our values. Now, when I voted for him the first time, I looked at him as a mercenary, and I was okay with that for a while. I didn't need him to be an exemplar of virtue. I needed him to be a man who knew how to get stuff done and wasn't going to back down, and he did a lot of that, and I was okay with it for a while. But that moment has passed because his self-interest has now taken over everything. And even more than with Trump, I'm disgusted and ashamed by us, by how uncritical and conspiratorial we conservatives have become. And when I say we, I mean conservatives in the aggregate. Obviously, not all of you are this way. I don't think I'm this way. Many of my friends are not this way, but I see it so much. Conservatives, Christians, Catholics, traditionalists who have succumbed to the warmth of the big comforting lie. We want to be told what we want to hear, what we want to believe. And we tell anybody who doesn't feel, believe, think exactly the same way we do, or doesn't feel, believe, or think those things as much as we do, that they're not truly one of us. You're not really a patriot. You're not really a conservative. You're not really a trad. You're not really a Catholic. Whatever. We have in-groups, layered within in-groups, all competing to decide who's in and who's out. And we're all just circling the drain. We've lost the country, folks. No amount of daydreaming is going to make that go away. The odds are against us ever winning an election again, at least at the presidential level. This is something Pat Buchanan was warning about in books written over 20 years ago. Demographically, we were moving away from the possibility of a conservative victory. We have too many immigrants. We have too many people on the government dole. We have too many people whose votes are being bought. And we heard it again from conservatives in Georgia. I didn't vote for the Senate candidates because I didn't get my stimulus check. Because Mitch McConnell didn't give me the $2,000. Pay me. Pay me off. Buy me. Or I'm not going to vote for you. That's what that creates. And whatever you think, by the way, about about government stimulus in a time of pandemic lockdowns, I think there's a reasonable argument to be made that the government does owe the people something when they make it impossible for them to make a living. But don't let that be the, the condition upon which your vote hinges. If you believe that losing the Senate is going to be bad for the country, bad for you, bad for your kids, bad for your future, vote and then keep agitating. We need help because you're ruining our businesses and our livelihoods. Don't ask for a bribe. So yeah, we've lost the country and they're going to change everything. They're going to make it a crime for you to misgender people. Cancel culture will become the law of the land. Priests will be arrested for giving sermons on traditional morality from the pulpit. It's coming. In fact, in some places, it's already here. And if you don't like it and you try to speak up, they will. They'll pull the plug on you. Facebook banned Trump today. Twitter is deleting his tweets. There are real, actual, historical statements from a sitting president that we should be able to reference right now because they are politically relevant right now and we can't get to them because they're gone. They've been erased. They have been memory hold, just like in 1984. So even if you hate Trump's guts, even if you think he's Hitler, 
You should want to be able to reference things he's actually said, even if you're only using it to condemn him. They are part of the landscape of this political moment, but no, in an Orwellian fashion, they're being wiped out. Unilaterally, tech CEOs are deciding whether or not a president that is still president gets to speak. There's a lot of talk going on also right now about invoking the 25th Amendment um, or impeaching the president in an emergency session. One or the other, impeach him or invoke the 25th Amendment. If you're not familiar with it, the 25th Amendment allows the vice president to step in when for some reason the president can't do his job and take over. And they're saying, well, the president has proven himself an enemy of the state because he incited this violence. So Pence needs to take over. And it's being discussed right now in Congress. I mean, there could be developments that have happened since I hit record. And they want it. You know, if he could be impeached successfully, I, I believe that the consequence of that is that he couldn't run again in 2024. And this is what's sad is that Trump did some really good things during his time. Um, you know, I, I don't regret my vote. I regret what things have come to, but this, what's happening right now, what's happened this week, what's happened in the time since November 3rd, these are the things that Trump is going to be remembered for being a failed statesman, being a terrible loser, making claims that are clearly contrary to any any evidence or proof that he can provide. He can't keep saying over and over again, I won in a landslide and then lose 50 court cases in a row. Now there are people who absolutely believe that there is a massive conspiracy in place that's, you know, all these courts are not even hearing the merits of these cases. Look, I'm not a lawyer, but you know, when even his own Supreme Court justices vote against you know, he picked three and they all voted against his Texas case having standing, as I understand it. I'm sorry, at some point you have to say, maybe it's not everybody else. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's just not there. Now, there are clearly indications that there were fraud. There are statistical, analytical, historical considerations at the very least. There are sketchy things that happened. There are, you know, maneuvers and, and hiding of, of evidence and things that have gone on but it's all circumstantial. It all points to this doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't pass the smell test and it should absolutely continue to be investigated and litigated, but they had a chance to prove their case and they failed. So we lost the game. Now, now we have to move on. I don't know what the future holds. People keep asking me that question or asking me what we should do. People have been mad at me because I said what happened in the Capitol building yesterday was not what should have happened. This is not, this doesn't fall under just war doctrine. We don't have a reasonable prospect of success. We have not moved the ball down the field. We have not made a statement, whatever that means. That doesn't justify violence. We have not accomplished anything other than motivating the left that now has total control of our country to suppress us even more. That's what happened yesterday. We gave them a stick to beat us with. So I'm not hopeful. I don't think we're going to be in camps by the summer, and I don't think that we're heading for the Antichrist in the next five years. 
Politically, they're going to have to maintain some semblance of the status quo. But I think we are heading into a kind of soft totalitarianism. It's probably going to be a lot more like what life is like in the UK than in the Soviet Union or North Korea. Although, with China's involvement uh, in all of this, you know, we'll probably going to get some CCP flavor to things like evil MSG sprinkled liberally onto our uh, General So's chicken. So I don't have an uplifting message for you now. A friend of mine said to me the other day that he just doesn't know whether to be upset or to drink fine cocktails and do his own thing. Only so much you can do in the face of total defeat. Might as well enjoy what you can. Spend time with your family. Read the books you meant to read. You know, go out and garden in your yard. Make art. Do what you have to do to get by. Because life isn't the same as it was in 2019, and it's not going to be again. You know, one of the memes that keeps going around on, on the internet right now is, uh, I have had a chance to experience my seven-day free trial of 2021, and I would like a refund, please. It's not going to be better this year than last. And we are going to need to do a lot of reflecting on this, on where we stand politically, religiously, what our role is, what we can hope to do, how gullible we have or have not been, how to sort and sift through the endless fire hose of information that we have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis in order to understand what's going on and sort out the lies and falsehoods from the truth. I want to offer you consoling words right now, but I don't have any. The church is totally corrupt. And the church showed you over the past year that whether you thought that it made sense to have masks at mass or initial lockdowns, which I th said I thought were justifiable in the early months of the pandemic, but not continually, whatever you thought about the church's reaction, they locked the doors on you. They kept you from the sacraments. They turned their back on you when you needed spiritual consolation the most. And that's on top of everything that's happened in the Francis pontificate and all the bishops of the world who failed to stand up to that in any meaningful way. So the church is corrupt and society is gone too. America was the last big piece of the West, the last bastion to fall to the progressive demiurge, and now it has. And for now at least, God seems content to allow us to suffer the fruits we have sown. So bottoms up, I guess because I don't know what comes next. And it's gonna to be tough to get through this unless we get our heads screwed on straight. That's all I have to say for this episode of the One Peter Five Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this video, hit like, share it with your friends, hit subscribe, hit the bell notification icon so that you are notified when new episodes come out if that's something that you would like. As always, we ask you to support our work at onepeter5.com forward slash donate. Until next time, I'm Steve Skojek. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. God bless.